0: Hi, my name is Isabella Johnston, and I am called The Intern Whisperer. Our show is brought to you by Employers for Change, and we are continuing our tips series on unconscious bias. So today's tip of the week is about anchor bias. Now, what that means is when someone holds onto an initial singular piece of information to make decisions. An anchor bias commonly occurs in the hiring process when comparing candidates, A recruiter may see one aspect of a candidate and then cannot unsee that characteristic while considering other applicants. For example, the first applicant a recruiter considers may request a significant lower salary than the following candidates. This can create an expectation called anchor bias that the latter candidates are asking far too much. So how do we avoid this type of bias? To avoid anchor bias, try to compare every aspect of a candidate and never rely on one singular piece of information as the deciding factor. If you find yourself coming back to that one piece of information you're comparing it against, try omitting the anchoring piece of information and compare candidates based on other characteristics and qualifications, such as their skills and the experience that they have. Welcome to the Intern Whisper. Our show is all about the future of work. So, today's guest is Arlene Blake. She is the executive director of Women on the Rise International. She is a visionary, entrepreneur, sales leader, and creative strategist that is passionate about engaging, inspiring, and empowering women around the world. I'm so excited to have you. I met you at the 100 Women Strong, and I found your speech so. Oh, so moving. And I just really enjoyed it. I went, I have to have her on my podcast. So I'm thrilled to have you here.
1: Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited.
0: Okay. So we always kick off our show where we talk about five words you get to share with our listening audience, five words that describe you and why did you pick those? And I did write them down so (laughs) I can prompt you when needed.
1: Absolutely. So some of these words I may not have necessarily chosen for myself, but other Mm. people have described me using these words, but bubbly, for sure, direct, it's because I'm an Aries, Mm. Um, enthusiastic, visionary and diva and i don't mean like i like to often say the mariah carey diva Mm -hmm. Um, this is d-e-e-v-a which is the hindu term for goddess because i feel as though every woman has a goddess within them that is waiting to be unleashed so that's my term
0: i really like that and since you explained it we started backwards so that's even better (laughs) that's great so why do people describe you as bubbly
1: I have always had this really energetic personality. Um, If I'm very quiet, people think something is wrong, Um, but it's just, I don't know. I have great enthusiasm towards life, and so, I don't know. My personality has just always been very bubbly. I love to laugh. I love to be joyful. Um, There's so much to be grateful for just to be here every day, so... Um, bubbly is definitely a key word to describe me
0: yeah I would also say energetic I know you came in with a lot of energy (laughs) that day so um I would use that one too okay I like the word direct I describe myself that way and I think it's uh, a more what would be a balanced word that we can use instead of saying oh she's this which may not have a positive meaning
1: yeah yeah um I feel as though I've had to become more direct Mm -hmm. in leadership, especially since I have um, founded Women on the Rise. It is something that, everyone expects me to lead and make the executive decisions Mm. on everything. And so I oftentimes have to be very direct to keep the the needle moving forward and get things done. Um, And then also it's just kind of a little innate being an Aries. I don't know if you know many Aries, but we're typically pretty direct.
0: Mm. I am Libra, the balance, you know, the scales of justice. So yes, I think direct is a very good thing. Yes. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. I, I get it um enthusiastic why that
1: i feel as though if you're going to do something you have to go all the way with it and i feel that you have to give it all of your effort, all of your energy. And that's really, really exciting. And so I'm typically pretty enthusiastic about everything that I do. Um, And it's come through even with my six-year-old son. He always has this great enthusiasm about everything he's a part of. And so when people see him, they're always like, that is definitely your child. Because we both (laughs) share that same level of enthusiasm.
0: That is a, a fun thing to have too. And sometimes it can, I, I can imagine it can also be a, a clashing point, but yeah. you know, the good and the bad, yes. finding balance for sure. Yeah. Okay. So the next one, visionary, you had to be, you started an international group. You
1: know, the interesting part is at first it started off where I just had an idea for something very small. And then, you know, next thing, you know, people are asking me questions about what's next. And I'm having to keep on creating this vision and expanding it and growing it and listening to the needs that exist within the community and creating all of these opportunities. So I have kind of been pushed into the visionary position. Mm -hmm. I've always been extremely creative, um, but now I actually have to execute. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I have always been a dreamer. And, um, I'm fortunate that my parents allowed me to really kind of sit back and, and create ideas and to be able to, you know, work on them, to bring them to fruition. And I have a very supportive group and team around me that allows for me to be that visionary. So,
0: Hmm. yeah, that is a great story there. Um, so where did where did you go to school mm-hmm. um sometimes people ha- don't go necessarily the college route never a problem but you know how did you get from school to where you are now and let's make sure you spend a little bit more time talking about women on the rise international Absolutely.
1: yeah um so i'm a knight i went right here to university of central florida i came from jacksonville Uh, I had a few different options of universities to go to, but UCF was calling my name. Some of the other, you know, college towns became very dead during the summer and holiday breaks. And I was thinking, okay, I've always loved the theme park. So during the summer, I could go to Universal Studios and Disney. Why wouldn't I choose Orlando? So um, I came out here and I think when I first moved to Orlando, there was still um, a lot of pastures kind of on university. It is definitely, not no, what so it <laughs> what it is today um but I came to UCF to go to school for legal studies I was passionate about becoming a lawyer I was on the debate team in high school you couldn't tell me that I wasn't going to become an, uh, an attorney that was wow. my passion and then business was my minor so um yeah that's what I went to UCF for and I graduated uh, class of 06 And I immediately went to go work for a law firm after that. I will say that while I was at UCF, I was very, very involved in different women's groups on campus. And I was very involved in planning a lot of the events that we would have. So I got that bug kind of early. So initially it was, okay, I'm gonna go to law school after I graduate. And then that little itch for events really got to me. And I said, I think I wanna be an event planner. And at this time, you had all of the wedding planning shows that were on mm-hmm. TLC and so forth. And I was like, well, maybe I'm to be a wedding planner. <laughs> but I started a wedding planning business because I couldn't find an internship with any of the local companies. So I created my own opportunity, started a business, and I started to get clients. This was all while I was working full-time managing a law firm in Winter Park, Florida.
0: Um, well, I'll ask you about that offline. I used to work for attorneys and one of them was in winter park also. So yeah, what kind of law were you uh, working in
1: personal injury?
0: Okay. Maybe it was the same one. So, you know, I, I know there's more than one down there, but you know, that's what I did too. We did products liability and personal injury. Oh,
1: fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I was there for like eight, almost eight years.
0: That would be so funny. That would be really funny. <laughs> yeah, so funny. Yeah, I worked for uh, quite a few lawyers while I was putting myself through school. Okay. You know, the um, the undergrad, the uh, master's, and then a little bit into a PhD.
1: Okay, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah,
0: yeah. I'm one of the, but I was in education. I okay. did want to be an attorney, though, but I chose to go and be a classroom teacher. Yeah. Uh, I love that you're in nonprofit though too, because that's just huge. You you did a whole shift from going from, you know, law and event planning, which event planning definitely ties into nonprofit. It did yeah. come
1: in handy. It, it definitely did. did, but it was all by accident. There was, <laughs> it yeah. was not intended originally. Um, it's interesting to look back and and say to yourself, I never knew that this is where I was going to end up. Right. Right. So-
0: right so crazy. So how did Women on the Rise get started? And how old is the organization?
1: So we're in our 8th year right wow. now. Um and so, you know, during that time when I was at the law firm, there were a few different things that were happening in my personal life and with our senior partner who I consider as one of my mentors, um he became ill with Alzheimer's mm. and he passed away. He passed after my mother passed of cancer. Next was my father that passed of cancer, and then he passed from Alzheimer's. And this is all within like a five-year period.
0: That's a lot of significant people.
1: It was a lot. And um, I've always considered myself to be a fairly strong person, but that almost took me out. And so I remember I was working a sales job after that because when um, after he passed, they were closing the law firm, and I decided to just do like a complete shift and change, Um I also decided to close my event planning business because I was, you know, like a a solo practitioner, uh, basically. And when my mom was sick and my dad was sick, I still really had to keep the business going on my own, even though I'm struggling with dealing with the loss of my parents. And I am in the biggest celebration of many individuals' lives, and I'm still having to carry you know, all of this happiness and cheerfulness, and it was difficult. Hmm. Um, and so I decided that I was going to let that go. I finished all of the events that I had on the books after my father passed. Um, and I closed up shop and I went to an event and it was for, um, those in professional sales, um, like, you know, pharmaceutical, medical device, um, uh, industrial sales and so forth. I go to an event and they told me about a big conference that they were about to go to. And I decided five days after my father passed, I was going to go to that conference. I bought a last minute ticket, last minute plane ticket, revamped my resume within two weeks. And I went to this conference and I got hired by um, a major brand there and I took on a role doing industrial sales and that kind of changed a little bit of the trajectory of my life at that point. Um, And so now I'm a salesperson, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, but during that time, I found myself in a really negative place because one, that's not an easy job. Let's, Mm -hmm. let's be clear. Right. Um, there's a lot of obstacles that you um, encounter, a lot of objections you encounter, and sometimes it can be a lot on the spirit. And then I already was struggling because I had lost all of these people who meant so much to me. Mm -hmm. And so I decided to do therapy and in therapy, um, I made the decision, one, I was going to hire a coach, which I am like the biggest advocate for coaches. Mm-hmm. So I hired a personal coach who was going to help me figure out what's the next step for me, right? And so she really helped me um, with the job that I had to be able to go in and articulate what I was going through or what I needed from my manager so that I was able to be successful in my role. hmm That completely changed because I went from being, um, you know, on the chopping block Mm -hmm. to being the number one person in our whole Southeast region within maybe like a five month period. So that was huge. Um, In addition to that, as I'm going to the group therapy sessions, I found myself being more positive every time I came in. And prior to that, when I would be having conversations with friends and family, I was always that person thinking of everything negative. It was like the glass was always half empty. Mm. And I didn't like the reactions that I was getting from others as I was having those conversations with them. Because oftentimes we don't recognize the fact that we're negative or being negative. That's true. So I started to kind of be a little bit more self-aware and I started realizing the reactions that I was getting. And that's when I knew therapy was going to be my only option. Therapy was not something I had ever heard of in my family, but it was the only thing that I could think of to keep myself going. Right. Um, And so I did that. But again, as I'm coming to each session, I'm more and more positive. I'm having encouraging words to the other women that were part of the therapy group as well. And the therapist put a calling on me to do something to bring women together on a consistent basis Mm. to where we would have that same kind of encouragement and empowerment. And that really sat with me because prior to my mom getting sick, and let's say this was 2015, in 2009, right before my mom was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, I had started planning a women's empowerment day.
0: Mm.
1: And I had all these like Requests for proposals and agendas and all these things that were put together in a binder and I shelved the idea when I found out that she was sick, and so now I have this person who's speaking into me saying that she thinks I should bring women together in this positive Mm -hmm. environment, and so I bring this up to my coach and she said, "Well, Arlene, I think you should go out and create the event," and so she went ahead and put some goals behind me. I had to have a venue booked by a certain date. I had to have my agenda created and all of these milestones that I needed to do in order to make this event happen. And I did. So in March, Women's History Month kickoff of 2016, Perfect. we had um, what was our first event. And again, it was only supposed to be this one event. There wasn't supposed to be events that were coming after that. Mm-hmm. But we had a hundred or I had 123 women show up.
0: That's a lot for that a first events.
1: Not, no that showed up for this first event. That's and they crazy. Were so It was crazy. And they were so excited about the event. And I began to get emails afterwards. And they were asking me, when's the next event? Um, you know, how can I volunteer? How can I be a part of this? And I'm like, huh, what? And so I continued to create additional events. And then one of my mentors said, Arlene, I think this is a nonprofit you have. Like at each of these events, you're teaching women different things. You're providing a platform for other women to share their stories, to educate and inspire and empower other women. This is a nonprofit.
0: Yes, it is.
1: You know, and so I was like, okay. I went ahead and hired an attorney, Audrey Chisholm, here in Orlando, and she helped me to get everything together so that we could go ahead and file our 501c3 paperwork. And July of 2016, we were official.
0: Congratulations. Thank
1: you. And December of 2016, we opened up membership. So that was something that I hadn't intended on doing, but I had people who kept on sending emails and asking, how can we be more involved? Is there a membership? <laughs> like mm-hmm. oh, what? I had to go to the drawing board and create that. And uh, one of the amazing things is the first person who registered as a member. Um, her name is Nicole Hill Eugene. She is know still, you know, yeah. Um, she was our first member, and she's still a member. Um, she serves on leadership within Women on the Rise. So. It's it's a fun fact.
0: <laughs> yeah, I like the website. I just opened it up because, well, I, I've i looked at it before, but I love the colors. I mean, it's not it's not all pink. It's got this nice balance of orange so our listeners can see it. You'll see yeah. it on her uh, her logo when you watch it on YouTube also. But it, it's very modern looking and it it's just a hint of Barbie, if you will. Like the well, Barbie pink.
1: I loved Barbie growing up, you know. Yeah. So. And
0: uh, <laughs> what was the other one? There was one with Reese Witherspoon in. And it was, Blonde there you go. One of
1: the best movies ever.
0: Yes, yeah. I could not agree could more. Yeah. It's got a little bit of a hint of that kind of pink going on because it's like snap, 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 all business here.
1: That's definitely part of that bubbly side of myself. Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: I can, I can definitely see that for sure. Yeah. So anyway, now you have members. How, how fast was it growing?
1: I want to say by, um, by the summer of the next year, we probably had like 60 paid members of the organization. Oh. We were having um, monthly meetings, and these meetings were packed out, and they weren't all just registered members of the organization. It was other women in the community who wanted to just come. They may have had like a fear of commitment. <laughs> <laughs> they would come, they would enjoy the meetings and so forth. Um, and it was a great time of fellowship just to be around other like-minded women who were all aspiring for something something greater or who just wanted to, to give back or just be around positive energy. So um, it was always a really, really great environment to be a part of. And it fed my soul.
0: Mm, I love that. I love yeah. it. And and I'm even looking at the membership uh page, you got a lot of benefit that's here yeah. at a very affordable price. Right. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah.
1: Um, we were just talking about that last night at a leadership team meeting we had because and I know we'll get into this later. We had a whole workshop on AI and leveraging Chat GPT. And so we did this intensive workshop. And I, I asked people, okay, what are you working on right now that's like causing some something blocks for you. And then we broke it down with chat GPT and the minds that were blown from what we were able to do was crazy. And so um, just really being able to provide some of that insight for our members as an added benefit, because you'll see oftentimes, and one of our board members said this, I don't, I don't like things that are surface. So if we're going to do a workshop, if we're going to do an event and we're going to educate there's not an upsell afterwards. We're diving all the way in. When you walk away, you're going to feel like, man, that's something that I probably should have paid $5,000 for.
0: Right. Yeah. I know exactly. <laughs> value
1: is huge. Yeah. And so I always want to make sure that we're over-delivering and that our members, they feel that value. They understand that value that they're getting. Um, and it allows for them to be more successful in everything that they do.
0: Mm, I love it. Love yeah. it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Okay. So what are the the bigger plans for the group? Because I know you just had a gala. Tell us about the gala. So
1: Essentially, the gala is an opportunity for the community to come to our website and nominate a woman that is excelling in her career and giving back in the community. And so the individuals get to nominate all these women. We take it down to the top five in each category. We invite them to a beautiful night of celebration, of sisterhood, um, and we honor them. And we do choose a winner in each category, but we also honor and celebrate each of those nominees that evening, and it's just a beautiful night of celebration. Mm. Um, I have to say this because it was it was so amazing. Um, Mayor Demings here um, in Orlando, he came to the gala. He was one of our um, special guests, and he he had let us know that he was only going to be there for a small period of time. He was there for the whole entire event.
0: Whoa, what an honor. But
1: I watched as he had the program booklet and he was intent on reading about each person and pointing out each person that was there. And it was amazing to see how excited he was. And I think that also excited everyone that was there too, to see yeah. that same level of excitement. It was a beautiful Beautiful evening. We had it at the Dr. Phillips um, Center for Performing Arts right Mm -hmm. here in downtown Orlando, which if you haven't been there, it's an absolutely so beautiful, beautiful space. And so um, I don't know, it was, it was just absolutely beautiful. And so we were excited about that. And I know all of the nominees and the finalists felt very special by being celebrated there. So
0: who are the finalists?
1: Who Should I pull
0: up the page? Because I'm not sure.
1: So I, I can tell you who um, the the winners for the gala are. That's what I'm really wondering. Um, actually, we were just sending out an announcement. So I will go ahead and just read that off. Um, da, 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 da. Let's see here. Let me get that.
0: Is it on the website yet?
1: It is not. It is not. Let me tell you, we have so many. Do you have to be a
0: member to win also? No. So you it can, is anybody. any
1: woman that lives in Orange, well not in Orange County, but anyone that lives in the Orlando mm-hmm. metro area is able to be nominated. Um, so our young achiever college diva. So that's a young lady who's either a senior going off to graduating, going off to college or who's in college currently, um, was Roxy Richburg. She won a $1,000 scholarship. We also raised funds through the gala, um, that we split between all six mm. of the young, um, Achiever College divas. So they all will receive a scholarship check. Fair um, nice. yes. And next year, our goal is to raise $20,000 so we can do 20 scholarships. Um, Um, uh, Community Impact Leader Award, Mia Poinsett. Top in real estate, we actually had a tie between Deidre Graybill and Darlene Dykes. Our Diva to Watch winner was Tamara Boone. Our Inspirational Diva winner was Mia Poinsett. Our Entrepreneur Diva was Sharice
0: Wilkes oh i know her i you just know. recorded her podcast before you came in i love sharise sharise yeah i know Sharice and i work together out of uh, omg labs okay
1: yes. yeah yes.
0: yeah it's so funny she was just here you guys would have seen each other okay
1: <laughs> she's amazing um leading diva in tech renée overton palma talented diva the sisandra lewis Um, top educator, Jacqueline Russell, and then diva influencer, Leslie Pittman.
0: Very nice. Yes. Yeah, well, thanks for sharing that. And a little shout out to all those women too. Yes,
1: they are all absolutely amazing. All of the finalists from that evening, equally amazing. Um we had a great group of women that were nominated this year and all of them should be celebrated for all of the work that they do and and way they give back in the community. Mm.
0: Is it um how do you decide? Is it by a popular vote? Is it by a committee? Is it by all of those so things? There,
1: there's a panel of judges and they have a scoring rubric. And okay. so they basically um the nomination forms that they receive they have to go through that and they have to score it based on the values that are given in each category. Got it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I it gets really very appreciate
1: it. scientific and technical.
0: <laughs> yes. And it, it should be though. Right. So that it's, you know, really fair. And then
1: we have to calculate it like three and four times just to make sure. And yeah. So yeah, it
0: gets, don't want to have any mess. We ups. don't want
1: any mess ups. <laughs> yeah.
0: So we're going to move on to a couple of other questions that I typically ask in the se- second, well, in the first half of the show. So I like uh, David Letterman's method of interviewing. So my questions okay. come from that area of really a deeper dive, getting to know the guest. Okay. What is a favorite quote that you live by?
1: Just start.
0: So why that one?
1: Um, it actually comes back from um, when my mother was still here mm-hmm. and I would make a big deal out of a little Right. Mm-hmm. Um. I would overthink things in my head, mm-hmm. and my mom said to me, Arlene, you know what you need to do. You have everything that you need. Just start. Yeah. And I have carried that through with women on the rise. I try not to overthink things too much. You just have to take the first step in getting things going and start it. Mm -hmm. Um, I have helped others as well, too, as they've created concepts, created businesses, created their own events, um, extended their platforms. Don't overthink it. Just take the first step to get it done. Just start. So that is definitely one of those quotes that I live by.
0: You know, I like that you referenced that it was something your mom always said, because I'm sure I have little words that I use too. And it always takes me to, well, this is what my mom said. This mm-hmm. is what my grandparents said. Like I have words too. And my mom died also um, of cancer, different oh, type. Yeah, I'm sorry. we, we feel together here anyway, but when you say it, you always think of your mom. Mm-hmm. It's a way that you honor your mom. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's so cool.
1: And Interesting um fact too, Women on the Rise, our name started off as the Paula Blake Empowerment Initiative, named after my mother. And oh. we did evolve and change the name, but it was always created in memory. In, in her memory.
0: Yeah. Know? Love that. So the hardest lesson that you learned that changed your life, hopefully for the better, too.
1: Yeah. Um never take a, a moment for granted. Um mm-hmm. I would say I I don't have any regrets per se, but um, having lost both of my parents to cancer, to put it in perspective, my mother was only 48 when she passed Whoa. and my father was 56. And so to have parents that are very young to pass away that early on in my life, um, there's been some hard lessons that I've had to learn. I haven't had that crutch that I would say some people sometimes yeah. have. There's a lot of growing up that I had to do, you know, um, by myself, in a sense. Mm-hmm. There was a, a post that I saw recently on Instagram where the person said, they never realized how much they would have needed their parents in their adult years.
0: Oh gosh, yes.
1: And I felt that so much. I feel like I have never needed my mother more. Um, you know, my son his, you know, both of his grandmothers um, were deceased, both from cancer before he came into this world. Wow. And so not knowing what to do with a a newborn baby, you know, Mm -hmm. I depended on the nurse at the hospital to help me. I depended on the persons at the daycare to tell me what needed to be done. I didn't have that. And so um, those are some of those lessons that I wish I would have had someone you know, there, wish I would have my mom there to be able to support me through those things. So some hard lessons that I've had to learn alone, um that you know, had she have been here, I probably wouldn't have made all the mistakes that I've made. um but I, I'm probably the' stronger for it, but
0: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, definitely. um, I think that when we get older, we begin to become more of a peer relationship with our parents. We don't hopefully they don't see us as babies, but they're <laughs> we're always their child, right? or yeah. their baby but hopefully they always see us as, you know, hey, I'm I'm here to take care of you also. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a sweet relationship that you can have.
1: It really is. One of the things that I rec- I remember from when my mom was sick was we held hands a lot. Yeah. And I I can still feel her hand in mine. And so my son and I we hold hands all the time. Like that's so important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's something that well I'll always have, you know, and it's very like intimate.
0: That. You only hold hands with a person that's very, very close to you. yeah, I uh, for me, I know that I don't know what anybody else thinks. I think that holding hands is more intimate in a uh, relationship than than sex, yeah, because like you really love that person absolutely. Mm-hmm. What are you most grateful for then? That's a hard act to follow with the first one that you just gave us,
1: yeah, I'm grateful for life. Um, I think when you have watched life exit from Mm -hmm. someone's body with your own eyes Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and and you, you watch them fight it, you appreciate life. You appreciate every single breath. Um, and so that's what I'm most grateful for. I'm grateful to wake up every day to my, both my feet work. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm able to breathe my, you know, I just. When you've seen others suffer, you respect and you appreciate life even more.
0: Mm -hmm. I do something that um, I call a gratitude walk. Now, I haven't done it in a while. I'm going to be honest. I have to get back on it. Um, But. I would go and walk for an hour. And for that hour, I would sit there and say, okay, God, I'm grateful for this. I'm grateful for this. Just like you said, you know, the ability to walk for my feet, for, you know, the health that you give me. There's so much we have to be grateful for. An hour would never be enough time.
1: Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. That's why it's great to sometimes just be quiet. Right. Allowing mm-hmm. yourself to reflect and to, to think about all of those things that we oftentimes take for granted or are moving too fast to truly acknowledge and appreciate. So,
0: so here's something I read this statistic last week your kids you have will only be with you for 18 years. Mm. Typically, they go off to college. That is the you will have about 20% of their time with you in your lifetime. Mm because you raised them to leave you, right? Yeah. yeah. That's true. So you only see them in that. And I went, wow, that is a very powerful statistic. Because when you think about how much time you had with your own mom, yeah, and you have a young one also, that it makes somebody stop and think, oh my gosh, and you just said it, that how quickly things move. He's how old? Five He's six six right now. Six, yeah. yeah. He will only be six for this (laughs) one year. And we we have to instill so much into a young child or a middle school or a teenager. And I used to teach middle and high school. And I would go into these parent conferences and I said, your child needs you more now than they did when they were in elementary school. And don't for one minute think they aren't hearing you. Mm -hmm. They hear you. It's part of the separation that has, yeah. has to happen. But, you know, if you really want to have big impact, and I'll pass this one on to you, is if you spend one hour a month in the school where your child is in middle and high school, you will never have a discipline problem because every teacher will know you are the mother of that child. And that's so I'm having a little problem with Johnny, he is very social. And what they mean is he talks a lot. Yeah, <laughs>
1: that's mine. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, so it really, and you will also know who your kids are hanging around with the, the good ones and the ones that you would question. Is that a good decision? Um, so just kind of keep that in mind if you really want to know, and I don't know where your your child goes to school, um, but just remember one hour a month. It turns everything around.
1: I actually volunteer every opportunity that they give me. Yeah. Um, so all of the kids in his classroom knew me very well.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, keep doing that. Keep yeah. it. Because many times parents, they do it when they're in elementary school, but they see these big bodies on these kids and they go, yeah, he he's like, you know, 5'10 and he's in seventh grade. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Show up. You still show up.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I've always loved mentoring. Mm-hmm. Um, I have done it majority of my life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so I hope to continue to do that, even in spaces that, you know, he'll allow me to be in. Right. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Um, you know, I I get extremely passionate about our high school students as well, too. Um, when I went off to college, I applied for 24 scholarships and I won 20 of them.
0: Holy cow. Yeah.
1: And so my parents never had to, you know, raise a dime to send me off to college. And they were quite nervous
0: to
1: college. Um, And there were a lot of small scholarships that I won and they added up to completely taking care of me. Um, In addition to the scholarship that I got from UCF, because I was I was a scholar. I went to a college preparatory school in Jacksonville. Um, and so I just knew, like I said earlier, I was going to be an attorney. Right, It <laughs> was going to be my thing. Um, and so I get really passionate about talking to our young people about what is that next step for them? Mm-hmm. How are they paying for college? How are they creating exceptional experiences during their high school experience that they can share as they're doing their college essays and mm-hmm. so forth, right? And so that I, I love being around our, our youth and sharing that and encouraging them to put that best foot forward. And it's interesting too, because um, I told you I applied for 24 and I only won 20 of them. So there mm-hmm. were four I did not receive. So the question I always ask is, when do you think I applied for the four that I I did not get? It was the first four. Mm-hmm. The first four scholarships I did not get, but I continued on. And then I mm-hmm. won 20 consecutively after that. So I always tell them, don't give up, right? You may not get the first, the second, the third, or even the fourth, but at some point it's going to happen. So Mm -hmm.
0: yeah. Uh, That's very inspiring for entrepreneurs, for people raising Mm -hmm. money. I'm raising money. I'll have to tell you more about what I do off off this show. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Another time. (laughs) All right. So the next question I have is, who in your life has had the biggest impact? And I know you told the first three—you yeah. know, your boss, previous boss, and then your parents. I can't imagine that it's not those three.
1: I'm gonna, I'm gonna shift a little bit. Okay. Um, my fourth grade elementary school teacher, Miss Saluco. Um, I'm gonna give her credit here, and I'll tell you why. I remember I wanted to be a news anchor on our school television show, which was Wake Up Alamakati Elementary School.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I never received the invite to come and interview. And um, I'm having a conversation with my teacher and I share this. And she said, You you weren't invited to interview? She Hold the whole class together, marched us all down to that media center. And she approached the media center specialist and she said, Arlene never had a chance to interview. And so she put me on the spot and interviewed me right then and there. I'm a fourth grader, right? Wow! And I became the lead anchor of wake up Alma Connie elementary school. And I think one seeing someone who believes in me like that really allow for me to just take every opportunity, understanding that there's going to be someone there that's going to support me. Yeah. In addition to that, um, you know, you have to speak up. Mm-hmm. If I hadn't said anything, that opportunity would not have been created. And mm-hmm. then to also then be the lead anchor.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> God, I'm 39 years old and I'm still talking about my experience. at wake up Alabama County Elementary School. So it definitely made an impact.
0: Yeah, definitely. And we never know how one person can make a sh- a major shift in our life. Yes. That's what you're really, again, I was a teacher and yeah. I could see that happen. I have this box of letters that the middle and the high school kids would write me. And honestly, they're so meaningful. I pull them out and I go, oh yeah, that's right. That's why I did this, <laughs> you yes. know, because it's like, I miss them, but I've also, I'm so grateful for them. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Okay. The next question, what do you want to be remembered for in your life? This one's usually the tough one for people.
1: You know, I want to be remembered for how, um, how I made others feel. And I don't mean the moment when I stretched them and they felt like they couldn't be stretched anymore. Yeah. I mean, from when they have listened and they followed and they've executed and they have seen the fruits of that labor, um, what they feel in that moment is what I want to be remembered for. Um, I have definitely been that person who can identify amazing potential in others that they may not see in themselves. And I'm going to be that person who's going to stretch them past their comfort zone
0: mm-hmm.
1: because I want to see them excel. And oftentimes I see them excel Pass anything that I've ever achieved myself, but it brings, I, don't know, I can't even put it into words, but I feel so grateful to be in that position, to feel um, confident and comfortable in my own skin, to be able to even do that and feel that way and feel excited and to be able to celebrate others in that Um, But that's what I want to be known for. I think that's part of the legacy that I want to be able to create. Mm -hmm. And I want for others to be able to do the same, Mm -hmm. um, to be able to uplift others in in moments where it might be hard for them to celebrate what's going on in their own personal lives. I actually had a conversation with a girlfriend recently. She was struggling where... um, some others around her couldn't celebrate her in a moment when she was receiving the biggest salary she had ever received in her life um and she was just really excited as to where she was going and i was in a position this particular year and this was during covid where i didn't know how i was going to pay my mortgage mm. But I celebrated her. I was so excited for her. I share with everybody. Can you not believe she's gotten this great salary? this is what can happen. You know, I was just so proud of her. Mm-hmm. And it didn't matter the position that I personally was in. I could look past that and still be able to celebrate. Oh yeah, find the else. joy. Find the joy. And and I have seen over the years where individuals struggle with that. Um. But I feel like blessings come when you're able to celebrate others, mm-hmm. even during those low moments for yourself. So
0: I could not agree more Absolutely. i could not agree more i'm in this place where i've had so many things that are in the past two weeks uh have happened and i said to somebody in in my this this little circle i said i have never felt so supported mm. and and a, like a warm blanket has been wrapped around me and, and i feel that so much weight has been taken off, it has energized me so much. And so I feel like that's what ends up happening is when we we have that kind of joy with I've had so many people in my life, too, that I have celebrated with them. And I'm just happy for them. Yeah, just happy. Yeah. I mean, we can be happy for others, even if we're going through stuff that's hard.
1: Absolutely. And one more thing that I have to bring up here, too, is sometimes support can come from those who you didn't expect it to come from so sometimes we'll have people who are very close to us and they may not show up in the way that we're expecting or needing but there are others who are there to support and uplift us in those in those moments where we need to feel supported and so sometimes we have to extend grace to those who are in our company and allow for others to be able to step in and share joy with us.
0: Mm-hmm. Agree. Well, we're going to take a short moment to acknowledge our sponsor, Transcend Network, and we will be right back.
1: Transcend Network helps early stage startup founders find product market fit through weekly experiments, receive fundraising support, and build a global founder investor network for ed tech and the future of work technologies. The Intern Whisperer is affiliated with Employers for Change, and we thank Transcend Network for being a sponsor of our show.
0: And we're back to the second half of the show where we talk about the future of jobs and w- industries in 2030. So what do you think 2030 is going to look like? <laughs> so hard to believe. It's only six and a half years.
1: I know. The interesting thing is we had um, a meeting a few years ago where, for Women on the Rise International, and we were talking about what the job market would look like <laughs> in 2030. Yeah. And one of our board members, Michelle Beatty of the Career Tipper podcast was there and she was sharing what the job market would look like. And I think people were looking at Michelle like she was crazy. Like, yeah, my job's not going away. My job's. And then we've seen over the last few years, so many jobs being eliminated. And now Mm -hmm. people are like, oh my God, what am I going to do? And so we have to be flexible. We have to pivot um, as, as most things have happened over the course of the last hundred years, you know, every mm-hmm. cell phones have changed how we do so many things, tablets, yep. we're always having to pivot and to be flexible. Um, and so I think this is just another one of those, those times where we have to figure out where we fit in and how we can leverage the technology that is in front of us so that we can still be successful, create an income, um, and survive quite frankly.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it doesn't always mean that you're an influencer. <laughs> Let's just say that. I mean, influencers are important also, but uh, on the same hand, if, yeah. it doesn't mean everybody's going to be an influencer because somebody has to do the other stuff, that, I... <laughs> you know, like make the products that the influencers, uh, you yeah. know, touting whatever. Yeah.
1: It's funny because when you talk to um, the kids, <laughs> yeah. like my little brother, he's 20, um, he'll be 21 later on this year. And when he was graduating from high school, I was asking, what do you want to do? I want to, I want to create YouTube videos. Oh, really? Okay. Well, how many have yeah. you created? it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, none.
1: <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that's that's what the lay of the land looks like right now. But um, absolutely, I mean, one of the things that we're trying to do within our organization and for our members is having sessions on how do you leverage AI, yes. right? There's so much information out there, but it's a little convoluted. Right. People wanna know. It's exactly- so new. It's so new, right? And so um, I've been blessed and fortunate that I've had people who have been willing to share information. And it has blown my mind. And I think I sat there in front of the computer one day and I just tried everything that I could try to see what worked and what didn't work. Mm-hmm. And I am one of those people who I just love to share. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I freely share um, in our masterminds and our Canva workshops, now our AI workshops. And um been able to work with the ladies on what are some of the skills that you have that are transferable into something that creates money for yourself or creates mm-hmm. um, streams of revenue. We have a teacher who wanted to create um, some curriculum that she could sell. And so she kind of had some ideas, they weren't fully vetted. And so we actually utilized AI to create a formal curriculum. Um, and that she was able to go and ask it certain questions to um, like regenerate the responses that she needed to really create a final product. And she was blown mm. by what we were able to do um, and then figure out what the next person needed and working with them through that and allowing everyone else on the call to be able to see how it worked and how they could leverage it. I'm all about creating additional streams of income because to be quite frank, most nine to fives now are mm-hmm. not covering person's expenses, right? Especially if you're a single mom like myself and you're, it's only you taking right. care of your household with the rate of inflation that we're having, especially here in the state of Florida, you have to have an additional stream of income, right? Mm-hmm. And so my whole goal is to help women to figure out what are the skills that you have? What is the knowledge that you have that you can create additional streams of income to support you and your family? And we're leveraging AI to help us do that.
0: Yeah. One of the things that I've also, I use AI in a lot of what we do here um, in my, and I have multiple companies too, yeah. just just like what you're describing. So um, I'm working with some high school students that are learning how to create um, content. And I encourage everybody to use chat GPT for sure. And I said, so just so you know, it can create an article for you in like two minutes. It doesn't mean that it's right. It's pulling good information and bad information out there. Your job is to use it as just a an initial piece that gets your brain flowing and then make sure you fact check it because you don't know. There's no citations in there. It could be pulling bad stuff. It's everything in the internet.
1: Absolutely. And I actually like the way that I've taught individuals to do is to create their own initial draft mm-hmm. and then to have Chat GPT rewrite that draft. Mm-hmm. And then to say, well, actually, what are some examples of blah, 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 right? Like, and you ask Chat GPT to rephrase it in that way right. or to bring up those additional ideas. And then you start to create piece by piece your final product. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um. So that's the way that I like to use it. And everyone is different. Yeah how we do it, which makes it such an awesome tool to use.
0: Yeah. It's nothing Um, to be afraid of. We need to embrace it. It's not going away.
1: We do. Now, I mean, there's probably some other things that we should probably be (laughs) them out, but that I think um, is definitely great um, and a great tool to be used.
0: Okay. So what ethical dilemmas do you think that can come up because of all of this AI and things that are happening in the workplace?
1: Well, you have to wonder where, is the information coming from? Mm-hmm. Is it someone else's copyrighted work product? Um, we've seen AI technology be used in creating artwork, right? Well, it's right. taking others, you know, signature um, you know, pieces of art and creating new things. We've seen proprietary, in proprietary yeah. information. We've seen um, you know, music artists where yeah. their sounds are Royalties. new music from someone else's voice. Yeah. Um, there was a video that was kind of scary to me. Um, you know, if they were saying that they could take your voice and they could use it.
0: It was on, it was honestly on black mirror. Was I, that on black mirror as I well I saw too? something like that too. Yeah.
1: This was on Instagram. And so I tell my son, I don't care if you hear my voice, if you don't see my faith. Mm -hmm. You don't listen to that. Right. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's just so many things that could potentially happen. Right. You know, you don't think about and I'm hoping that it doesn't go that direction, but I want to be cognizant of it so that we can, you know, just make sure that we're safe.
0: Be aware. Be aware. Yeah, 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 totally. Well, what is the best mentoring advice that you would like to share with our listeners? Um, Keep in mind they're From 23 to about 65 plus, we have men and women, a little more on the male side, just so you know. And it's usually CEOs, HR professionals, futurists.
1: Yeah. I think my best piece of mentoring advice is your mentors won't always look like you. Mm. And that is okay. Um, You know, some of my, my biggest supporters and advocates and those who have poured into me, um we're not the same sex and do not look like me mm-hmm. right um and i i have a, a plethora of different mentors from different backgrounds and life experiences that share their unique experience that really helps and speaks to me as i craft what this next phase of my life looks like as i've achieved certain goals in my life right um and i i encourage others to go into rooms where everyone doesn't look like you right um, You know, learn from others with different experiences that that really helps to shape your mindset and how you see and view the world. So that's one of the things that I would, I would share with individuals. I love
0: that. And mentoring, um, there is, I use peer and reverse mentoring in my platform and in my own academy that we have. And mentoring goes both ways. I learn from people that are way younger than me. And part of what I do is I, I love to work with three and four year olds at my church. Yeah. I get my best lessons of how to work with adults by working with those little ones. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so super important.
1: Age has never been one of those things that I have really acknowledged. Um, You know, in in our organization, we usually don't talk about age. And so recently, one of our um, leadership team members was, you know, Arlene, I am 65 years
0: old. I I, I don't know. Yeah
1: never known i would have never thought about it and honestly it doesn't really matter right? right um and so i just love the fact that we're all able to connect in so many different ways yeah um my therapist for instance i think she is absolutely amazing she's significantly younger than i am mm-hmm. right but she's still knowledgeable and she still does everything really really exceptionally well um and so i don't want age to keep us from allowing a person to be able to have some kind of impact or influence in and our she- should not, right
0: yeah, It should not be one of those variables. It's always, um, I designed my platform around head smarts and heart smarts. Mm-hmm. That's what I call mm-hmm. it. So what's in your head and what's in your heart? Those are the things that we should all Absolutely. be looking at in people because it's the things that we don't see, not the things that we see. Absolutely. So how can our listeners find you? We usually always supply your personal LinkedIn profile, but we pulled your certainly womenontheriseinc.org website. What else would you like?
1: Yeah. So, um, that website is W O T R I N C.org. Um, you can follow us there. And then it has all of our social channels that are linked there too. I pulled so those too. Our YouTube channel, our Instagram page, our Facebook page, our Facebook group page, all different places to be able to follow and see what we're doing. Um, and then LinkedIn is also a great platform to connect with me personally.
0: All right. Well, I want to thank you so much for being a guest on the show. This has been delightful.
1: Yes, thank you so much. I appreciate this opportunity.
0: Oh, you're very welcome. I look forward to connecting with you through your group too.
1: Yes, it'll be awesome.
0: Thank you. Join Women on the Rise. Excellent. We love this. I love that you're uh, getting a budding entrepreneur right up here. I'm pretty sure he's going to be your marketing director.
1: He absolutely is. Every time we go somewhere and he sees a woman, he said, Mommy, is she part of Women on the Rise?
0: Very nice. Hey, what's your name? Just first name only. Evan. Evan. Nice to meet you, Evan. Click that subscribe button. Okay. (laughs) Thank you to our sponsor, Cat5 Studios, and thank you to our video team, Gabe Laporte. Music is by Sophie Lloyd. Be sure to visit Employers for Change at www.e4c.tech to learn how you can create real diversity and inclusive culture while skilling your people for the future of work. Thank you for supporting the Intern Whisper by subscribing to us on Podbean, our Employers for Change YouTube channel, or stream from your favorite podcast channel.